Hey everybody, welcome to the C3 Victory Podcast. We're so glad that you are catching up with us. All our services are online at the moment, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy this encouraging message from our pastoral team. Welcome. It is so great for you to be with us online and awesome to have an audience here this morning. Come on, you guys can get excited. It's all right. And um, following all of our COVID safe procedures. So it look like we've got a, a massive audience because you guys are so spread out. It's fantastic. Why don't you guys grab a seat? If you're at home and you're standing up, you know, you can grab a seat. If you're already seated, maybe you can recline a little further. We are about to unpack uh, the Word of God, the Bible. Uh, we believe it is uh, really a powerful thing for our lives. Uh, we believe it's one of the ways that God speaks to us, gives us wisdom. So uh, I get the great privilege of, I guess, uh, uh, coming into week two of the series that we've been in, which is called Still Moving. And Pastor Keith, our senior minister, he spoke incredibly last week with Pastor Janet from their home. Uh, If you missed it, I know it's on our YouTube channel and you can check it out. But um, yeah, he spoke about prayer. He spoke about the importance of prayer in our lives. He spoke about um, how we can revive our prayer life. Uh, The the reality is that there's certain aspects of our relationship with God that over time, uh, they do end up getting a little bit of a a bit of a dryness to them. And it's important to talk about what does it look like to revive those fundamental aspects of our relationship with God. And and I guess uh, this whole series is going to be a little bit about that. What does it look like while perhaps our lives are... Are a little bit stationary uh, and not really moving forward all that far. What does it look like to make sure that our relationship with God is actually still moving forward? Right? We can we can be static, but we don't have to be stationary. And um, and and we can we can take the time where we have a little bit more time. I know everyone's craving margin in their lives, and and we've been given it on a platter in some senses uh, of of the current season. But let's use it. Let's use it to to review how is my relationship with God at the moment. How is my prayer life? Uh, and, and this morning we're going to look at what, how, is, how is my approach to the Word of God going? Um, do, I, do I read the Word and feel like I'm, I'm getting something from it? Or am I at a point in my relationship with God where maybe reading the Bible has become a bit dry? It's a bit old. I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of it. We're going to, we're going to talk about that this morning. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to pray very quickly and then uh, I'm going to tell you a story. Love, I love a good story. Father, I thank you so much that you're here. I believe that you are in every living room, in every car, uh, on every phone right now, wherever someone is watching this message, I believe you're there. Uh, And I believe you want to speak to them uh, right now. I believe you want to reveal yourself. Let them know that you're real. Let them know that you love them. Let them know that you want them to know you. And I know that you are speaking to people right now, this morning, uh, in this moment. Uh, I pray that you would bless them and that you would bless uh, what is said this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 And uh, exciting. Uh, I believe that A-League is going to be up and running again soon. So I I can start praying for our mighty Newcastle Jets and uh, believe that they can make it into the finals. Uh, It's still possible. So I'll keep believing. So I don't know about anybody else, but there has been this underlying craze uh, in lockdown, uh, and it's, it's to do with sourdough. And um, I bought a sourdough with me this morning, 
Oh, I, I really want to eat it, actually. I'm, I love sourdough. I love like the um, like fresh sourdough with butter and honey. It's like my bread jam. It's like, whew, so good. But I, I totally bought into the sourdough craze. And, um, and I feel like I was an early adopter. I like to think that, you know, um, I, 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 was, I can prove it on Instagram. It's a great thing about Instagram. Being dated is that I can show my sourdough photo came way early in the game. Um, I don't know why I'm claiming that. It's a weird claim. <laughs> but, um, but I totally got into the sourdough making and my wife for Christmas actually bought me a sourdough making kit. And so uh, you can tell it's taken me a while to actually open that present. But it came with like a starter and the flour and like the, the special spatula, which made no difference at all because people that don't have the special spatula made way better sourdough than me. But the truth is my first attempt at sourdough was an epic fail. Um, not, not so much the sourdough itself, but that I, I, I didn't line the tin at all. Uh, and so I baked it and then it remained in the pot. And uh, all of the sourdough that I wanted to eat was stuck in the pot and I couldn't get it out. I don't know if you've ever tried to get something out of a 200 degree pot that's stuck inside it. Um, every time you try to put your hands in, it's like, ah, oh, no, I can't do that. And uh, it, it took ages for the sourdough to cool down long enough for me to actually have to hacksaw, like get a, a knife in there. And I'm like, I got half of it out and the rest went into the hot water as I soaked the pot. But uh, along my sourdough making journey, obviously this is not my sourdough, in case you're wondering. This is freshly bought from the markets. That's why it looks good. Um, and it is going to be awesome when I eat it this afternoon. But in my sourdough making journey, I learned something about bread. Uh, I learned that stale bread... Uh, doesn't have to be the end of its life. I don't know, did you know that you can revive stale bread? I did not know this. I was like, as soon as bread is stale, I would give it to the chickens. Not anymore. Those chickens don't get my bread anymore. I'm telling you. Um, so I learned that what you can do is you can take, say, like, you know, if your sourdough starts to go a bit stale or, you know, like a fresh Baker's Delight tiger loaf. Come on, anyone speaking my language? Carbs. Amen. Uh, the two things that I make really well in life are pasta and bread. Like carbs all the way. That's why I run, by the way. Um, so what you can do is you can, you can actually run the bread underwater. Like you, don't want, you don't want to soak it, but you want to get it kind of like uh, damp again. Or you can wet like a tea towel and you wrap the bread in the tea towel and then you put it in the oven and you rebake the wet bread. And it actually brings the bread back to like fresh bread. It's amazing. It's like, I know, life hack, right? This, this could be almost as good as the chip packet thing that I taught everyone that time. You can revive stale bread, guys. It's not the end of the line. You don't have to throw it out. Um, but I found, that, I found that amazing. I'm like, awesome. I'm going to revive all of my stale bread from now on. I haven't yet, but I plan on if any bread ever makes it to stale state. I tell you that, though, because the reality is that when it comes to the fundamental elements of our relationship with God, over time, and for some of us that have had a relationship with God for a long time, you've had seasons of this. You know what I'm talking about when I say that over time, when we approach an aspect of our relationship the same way for long enough, eventually what happens is that that aspect of our relationship with God begins to get stale. It just begins to not have that same uh, I don't know what that is. There's a word for this uh, when it comes to bread, like bounciness of bread, right? It's, it's what fresh bread does when you get it, and it's what stale bread doesn't do. I have no idea what that word is, but it's, it's a bit like there's no life to it. There's no buoyancy to it. And you know that when your relationship with God is healthy and strong, there's like a buoyancy in your soul. It's like life doesn't uh, sink you down. You bob up. You have this life within you. And then there's seasons where it's like that is just not there. 
and there's a staleness, there's a rigidity, there's a, everything that comes against you, it, it, it kind of hits you way harder than the, the crunch zone, I'm going to call it that, that fresh kind of bread has to it. And, um, and that's really why we wanted to go into this series, is, is, is to talk about what happens when the reality of staleness comes into your relationship with God. Something that I've realized is that when something that used to be significant in life becomes stale, it slips to secondary in our priorities. And, and, and if we don't address it when it's secondary, it slips to sometimes in our busy life, right? The busy life is not something that we change easily. So what occurs is that it goes from significant to secondary to sometimes. And if we don't address it when, when it's at sometimes, it, it, it slips away altogether. Uh, and before long, we realize it's been months before I've, I've, I've even talked to God. It's been, it, it, it's been ages since I've even opened up the Bible, read what he's, he wants to speak to me because it was stale. And so I didn't want, I had no desire to go to stale bread. No, no one likes to eat stale bread, right? It's like no one, not on anyone's top 10 food list. Like, oh, I really want to have some hard, crusty, lifeless, stale bread, right? No, no one says that. Fresh bread out of the oven? Totally different story, right? Like that's like, whew, I, will, I will have that every, every day. And so <clears throat> what we want to do is, is look at how do we go from an aspect in our life where we're honest enough to acknowledge, man, that area of my relationship with God is a bit stale. And how do we, how do we get it back to the place where it's full of life, where it's giving us the joy and the peace that the Bible promises the relationship with God gives us? How do we get it back to that place? Um, and I guess the question prior to that would be, why, why do we bother? Like once it's become stale, what is the driving force to actually engage in changing? Like, like if there's a piece of stale bread sitting on my counter, why do I look at that and bother reviving it? Why do I bother going through the process of running it under the water or wetting a towel and wrapping it and putting it in the oven? Why do I bother doing that? Can I tell you what it is that, that resonates in me about why I would bother to do that? Because I remind myself of how good fresh bread is. I remind myself of the bread out of the oven that is warm and like the smell of fresh bread is in the home and the aroma just makes me hungry. And, and the knowledge that when I cut that thing open, it's going to have this crusty crunch to it and there's going to be this softness and I'm going to put butter on it and it's going to melt and then there's honey and I'm going to eat it and it's going to be amazing. I remind myself of that so that when I look at the stale bread, I go, that's worth reviving that. I want to get that back to the place where it is fresh and it is beautiful and it is amazing and I can't help but eat an entire loaf of it when I get home from the markets. And so it's no different reviving an aspect of our relationship with God. It's no different. We have got to get to a place where we remind ourselves how good it was. This is why the Israelites used to build these monuments for the moments in their life that God did incredible things was because they knew uh, generations or time down the track, they would be at a point where they forgot that God did an amazing thing and they would need to be reminded. And so we have to have the things that we go to that remind us of how amazing that aspect of our relationship with God can be. That time where you did pray and God spoke to you and it blew your mind. Oh my goodness, I never realized God could speak to me like that. That needs to be a monument that we go back to. Or, or that time where it's like every time you opened up, it was like God, the, the Bible, God was speaking to you one-on-one. -on -one. 
let's, like, let's be honest, it's not like that every time, but it is like that sometimes. And it's those sometimes that we hold on to as the reason why we would bother going through the process to revive the staleness. It's, it's those times where we remind ourselves of just how good the, the fresh interaction with God can be. And so for me, personally, I have a chapter in the Bible that I go to when, when it becomes stale reading the Word of God. And I know that that sounds kind of strange, that, that when it's most stale, I would actually go to the Bible. But for me, this chapter in particular is my go-to. Okay? And, and I, don't, I actually don't think it's a coincidence that this chapter is, is the longest chapter in the whole of the Bible. Right? It's, it's Psalm 119, and uh, it goes through a few pages. But this psalm, is, is, it's, it's pretty much, I would call it, King David's ode to the Word of God. There is no other passage of Scripture that speaks more about the Word of God, more about how valuable it is, more about how beneficial it is, more about how much he loves it, how much he needs it, how much he wants God to help him to, to, to read it all the time. It is, it is King David being honest about both his love for the Word and the reality that he doesn't always feel like going to it, but knows how good it can be for him. And so we're not, we're not going to read the whole thing this morning because, you know, I'd be preaching for a long time. But I, I have written down a whole list of things that Psalm 119 says about the Word of God. And, and I tell you, like, you can take the rest of this week, right? Sunday's the first day of the week. So you can take the rest of this week. And if you do nothing else, why don't you uh, commit to reading Psalm 119? You, you just, just this week, just read Psalm 119. The whole week, stay in it. A couple of verses each morning or, you know, maybe you're working from home and you've got a, a large amount of time to commit to it. Read the whole thing. But this is what Psalm, 19, Psalm 119 says about the Word of God. It says it leads us to happiness. It helps us not to compromise. It teaches us about purity. It helps us to avoid sin. It's full of wonderful truth. It brings guidance and wisdom. It restores us from discouragement. It brings revival in our soul. It helps us with, with self-awareness. It comforts us. It encourages us. It gives us life and vitality. It gives us a path to freedom and transformation. It revives us, comforts us, sustains us with joy. It gives us hope. It teaches us about good judgment and knowledge. It keeps us from sin. It corrects us. It is a steadfast rock. It restores health and joy. It makes us wise. It guides us, gives us insight and understanding. It says it provides a light to our feet. It will provide a lamp for our path. It will be a source of hope. It will give us light, life, guide us, give us joy. It releases pressure and stress. It gives us peace. It helps us not stumble and it sustains us. Right? This, this is the word of God. This is the bread of life, right? This is when it is fresh. This thing, I love fresh bread. When it is good, I'm telling you, that thing sustains me. I, I crave it. I'm like, I will eat that whole thing and I will enjoy it. And the word of God is the bread for our soul. And I'm telling you, there are too many Christians right now that are living life with a hangry soul, right? They're, they are they are hungry, angry because they're, they're starving in their spirit, right? They have not eaten the, the bread bread of life that sustains them, that gives them hope and joy and peace. And inside their inner being, their soul, they are starving for some fresh bread. And we have got to understand just how amazing the Word of God can be for us and for our life. 
it is a rich and beautiful fresh bread that our soul craves. I don't know. I, I know. Uh, before Rachel and I had kids, uh, we used to go out to dinner quite a bit. Uh, having young children has uh, probably restricted that, you know, habit a little bit. Uh, but funny enough, one of the things that we joke about still is that when we would go to these restaurants, before we'd even read the menu and got all like, "Oh, I really want that." We would get like super into the little free bread roll. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Like, like the, the waiter would come around with the tongs and it would be like this fresh. We'd be more pumped about getting that when we arrived at the restaurant than seeing the menu. It would be like we knew the restaurants that we went to. There's one in particular. We do a date night every year on our summer holiday uh, at this restaurant. We go up near, near Tea Gardens. Anyway. There's a restaurant that we go to. And every year in the lead up to that evening, we are talking about the bread roll, right? Like I hope they still do the the bread roll. It, the bread roll is that good and it's just like this complimentary side dish. But like, like we honestly, within minutes, that thing has been like cut open, lathered in like herb butter, which is amazing butter, by the way, um, and, and consumed, right? And we are, we're raving about these, these bread rolls. And I can't help thinking about how, how much maybe our, our spirit or our soul just craves fresh bread. The fresh bread, uh, that is the word of God. And reminding ourselves of its significance and value, I believe, is one of the greatest and most important things that we can do um, in helping revive what does at times become stale. And I think it's so important that we acknowledge the reality of, of staleness. It, it, it happens. Uh, and you shouldn't, like, don't, don't feel judged, condemned, or any of the negativity that can come with that. No, no, no. You need to just recognize this is a part of life. And, and when staleness comes, there's, there's many things that we can do. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to actually talk about the fact that one of the simple things we can change is just our approach to the Word of God. We can just change our approach. Some of us have approached the Word of God in the same way for so long that we've slipped into a rut and it's become a religious duty rather than something that comes from a relationship. And so I'm going to give you a couple of actual just practical approaches to reading the Bible that, that maybe you've never heard of. Maybe you have. Awesome. Maybe you've never heard of different ways to actually read the Bible. And, um, and you might find that simply changing your physical approach to reading the Bible is going to be a catalyst to reviving maybe what's become stale in your life. So one that is pretty well known is called the SOAP principle. Right, So you read a scripture, then after that you, you write down an observation that you make of it. So the goal here is not just to read the Bible for the sake of reading it, but actually to start to interact with it. And so you read it, you write an observation, and then after that you, you consider an application. So what does it actually look like to apply that verse to my life? You make it personal. So it goes from being a task to being a personal outworking of what you believe. And then after that, you pray. You just, God, just help me with this. It does not have to be complicated. It can be incredibly simple. One verse, one observation, one application, and then, and then pray. So... And a simple shift in approach like that can be incredibly valuable. The second thing is, I don't know if, if you have a smartphone these days. In fact, most people, it would be rare if you didn't. But the Version Bible app is an incredible resource for, for reading plans. Right? Like incredibly gifted communicators have written hundreds and thousands of reading plans that, that you can log on to, simply follow along with, and... It's going to walk you through 
all sorts of different ways of, of reading the Bible. Incredibly helpful. Something that I personally love is doing a word study. So I know for me, certain times in my life, there have been particular themes, you could say, that I have wanted to find what the Bible says. Things like fear, right? Anxiety. Uh, what, is it, what does it mean to love properly like the way the Bible says? Because we're inundated, inundated in today's culture with uh, what the world would tell us that love is. What does the Bible say love is? Right? What does the Bible say we should do with fear? What does the Bible say we should do with worry? And you can actually, you, you know, the internet is amazing. You can go on there um, and you can type in a word uh, and you can pretty much go scriptures on fear. And it will give you a whole list. And, and if you just concentrate on one of those scriptures every day, you might find that you've got something fresh to read in the Bible for a month. And it's going to be beneficial to you because it's going to address an area in your life that maybe uh, God's been trying to speak to you about for a long time. So you can do a word study. You can do a chronological kind of approach to the Bible. The Bible is not necessarily put together in terms of books all in date order. Okay, some books are actually uh, they're, they're halfway through the Bible in its placement, but they actually chronologically line up with, uh, for instance, an example would be Psalms. You, Psalms are actually written at all different times according to the different narrative of the nation of Israel, right? A lot of them are written by David. But have you ever read the story narrative section with the psalm that was written to that narrative? That's what it looks like to read in chronological order. And there are Bible plans that will do that. You can buy a whole Bible that's just chronological. And it will have the, the story of, of, say, David pretending that he was insane in front of a king. And then you'll actually have the psalm that he wrote about it right next to it. It's amazing. It just brings an incredible freshness to the Word of God. Um, another thing I love to do is I love to pick a parable, just one parable out of a gospel. And I'll just stay in that parable. And I'll, I'll just stay in it for a week at a time and just allow God to show me all kinds of things just out of that one parable. Or you can do the same with a, with a particular story from the Old Testament. Um, you can study a whole book. I would recommend starting with something like Jude. It's like one page long. Um, you know, you'd be like, tick that off, nail the book of the Bible. Um, so he's like, just stay in one book. Read the context of it. What was the author doing at the time? And let that give a fresh approach to that book. Um, or study a person. If you want to learn more about like, dysfunction in families, study like Jacob. Just go and read about Jacob and how much dysfunction was in his family. You're going to feel way better about your family. Uh, you're going to feel way better about yourself. Uh, but, you know, they, they, there's some different practical approaches to reading the Bible. And um, that can be all it takes. Some, the, the, our approach has just gotten old. And we, need, we just need a fresh way of approaching the Bible and reading it. So they're the practical approaches that we can change. But ultimately, underneath all that, I believe that the greatest cause of staleness is not so much practical approach, but it's, it's the spiritual approach that we have to the Word of God. You see, it's subtle and it occurs when we slip from reading the Word of God for God and our relationship with Him to, to reading the Word of God just as information and principles. You see, the words have no life when they are void of the Word who is life. You see, we cannot allow ourselves to get to a place where we approach the Bible like it's just information and just principles. John 1.1 says this. It says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through Him. 
Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought life to everyone. You see, the word is life. right? The word is life, but only when it's approached in, in the way of connecting with the God who is the word. right? These are words on a page, but what they are is they are the way we approach the word who is God. And, and what, we, what we have to be careful that we don't do is to take for granted that these are not just information and principles, but what they are is the written expression of the word who is our God. And so we have to make sure that when we approach the Bible to read it, we have to realize that we're reading it for the purpose of relationship with the God that is in the words rather than just information that we will learn from the words. You see, the word has always been, but occasionally he's been written about. Okay, The word has always existed, but periods of his, his influence on earth or, or his, his life on earth or his outworking as the Holy Spirit on earth have been recorded for us, not so that we would learn about it, but so that we would understand him and interact with him and know him. We don't want to know words. We want to know the word, uh, the word who is God, who always was God. Okay, uh, and I love this, right? The Passion Translation says, in the very beginning was the living expression. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. And they were together face to face in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existed apart from him. Life came into being because of him. For his life is light for all humanity. Right, This book, this book can be life. It can be hope, it can be joy, it can be peace, but only when it is approached as though it is a window into and about the person who we long to have relationship with, right? The words themselves do not bring us peace. It is the word that is behind the words that has the capacity to bring life into our life. This book is a person in written form. We are not reading it to know a principle. We are reading it to know Jesus better. We are reading it because it tells us, it explains to us, it helps us to know and interact with the person of Jesus. Reading the Bible has never been about principles. It's always been about a person. It is written words that reveal and connect us to the living expression of God. It is supposed to help us know him and find him, encounter him, have him revealed and allow him to reveal to us our purpose and our life. And, and, and the areas of our world that need transformation. You know, the, the Bible will do three things really well. Okay? It will reveal God. It will explain evil. And it will, and it will show us humanity. Yeah. Right? And, and, and when we approach it, we need to understand that we're not approaching something that is, that is dead and old and lifeless. No, we're approaching something that is full of life because it is the Word who was life and is light and life to all humanity. You see, it's never been about principles. It's always been about Jesus. We cannot and should not ever leave the principles of Scripture disconnected from the person of Scripture. Right? Like, how can we live out grace without encountering grace himself? How can we express love without encountering love himself? Love is not a principle in the Bible. Jesus is love. 
Jesus is love. And that comes through Scripture, not just in, in, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, where, you know, love is patient and kind. No, love is in every element of God on earth. Love is in the way he protected Moses. Love is seen in, in the way he knelt down to the woman who was caught in adultery. Love is seen in the fact that Adam and Eve, when they sinned right at the beginning, were banished and not destroyed. Love is everywhere in Scripture, not because it's written, but because God is love. Right, And if we, we should not live out just a principle until we have encountered the person. Right? How, do, how are we supposed to release forgiveness without first experiencing it in all its fullness from Jesus through his word? Peace and forgiveness and grace and hope, joy and love and life. These are not principles. Right? These, are, these are experiences and encounters that we have in many elements of our relationship with God but absolutely through his word because his word is it's him written about explained about articulated about there is power and life in these words not because they're words but because of the word and I want to I want to pray for everyone this morning that that if you are at a point in your walk in your relationship with God, where, where reading the Bible has, has become stale and dry, I want to pray this morning that His Holy Spirit would begin to stir in you a fresh spiritual approach to the Bible. That maybe, maybe it's going to be for the first time you're going to read that thing and understand that you are actually interacting with a person, even as you're reading. That when we read about, about how Jesus did things on earth, we're actually able to to have a relationship with Jesus. He's alive in heaven right now. We can have a relationship with him. We can communicate with his Holy Spirit in us as we're reading about, yes, the story, but more the person. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're a place where that's just gone stale, uh, it's it's just for whatever, over years, months, it's like the Bible is not speaking life to you anymore. I want to pray for you. I also want to pray for anybody right now who, who would like uh, to maybe for the first time accept that Jesus is who he says he is in the Bible, that he is God's son, that he did come to earth, that he did die on a cross, and that when he did that, he opened up the door, forgave us, and enabled us to have a relationship with him. I want to pray for you right now. And in fact, if you are watching this live, there's going to be an opportunity for you to respond right now that you want to do that. You, you actually want to, to uh, you might not understand it all, but you're like, something inside of me is saying, I do believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I want to pray for you right now. Father, for every person who is acknowledging either yes I want to have a relationship with Jesus because I believe that he is who he said he is. And I want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would stir in their heart, that you would forgive them, that they would receive you and have a relationship with you from this day on. And Lord, I want to pray for everyone who's feeling like reading the Bible is stale and they're not getting anything from it. God, I pray from today, there is going to be a change in their approach. 
Your Holy Spirit is going to shift something and bring uh, a revelation and illumination back to the things that they read, that, that they would suddenly see the Bible not just as information on a page, but that, that you who is the light of the world would begin to illuminate and reveal yourself in those words, that they would suddenly have this experience in reading the Bible where they feel like they're interacting with a person as they're reading it, and it's crazy, but I believe it's going to happen in the name of Jesus. I also believe that the Holy Spirit just wants to begin to unlock a sense of new, uh, a newness in some people. I believe even this morning as that worship was playing, some of you began to see things about your future. There's a sense of new, a sense of coming out of an old season and into a new one. And I believe that, that there were some dreams that God began to, to show some people this morning. And I want to encourage you to write them down because they're from God. And that's Him speaking to you about the plan that He has for your life and the future that He's moving you into. You see, we don't live this life without purpose. Our purpose is to see people come to know that God is real and that His kingdom is here on earth. And, and and God is going to position some people into some new things coming out of this season. And, and it's going to enable them to outwork that purpose with a greater uh, capacity. And so I want to encourage you right now, if that was you, if you began to see uh, things on the, on the film screen of your mind, why don't you write that down? Why don't you begin to, to pray about it? God, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you showing me? And I believe that this week in particular is going to be an amazing week uh, for everyone who's watching. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that message from our pastoral team. And if you'd like to know more about C3 Church Victory, please head to our website, c3victory.org.au. Until next time, we pray you have an incredible day.